0: Hello and welcome to Talk to Me. I'm your host, Max Ernst.
1: And I'm your host, Katie Ernst.
0: Uh, Talk to Me is brought to you by the Alexa Conference, presented by voicefirst.fm. It is the worldwide gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts held in Chattanooga, Tennessee, January 15th through 17th. You can get tickets at slash Alexa Conference. That uh, address will be in our show notes. And if you use the promo code "talk to me" all one word, you get twenty percent off ticket prices. And if you go, you can meet us because we will be in attendance. So again, that is voicefirst.fm/alexaconference, and the promo code is "talk to me" all one word.
1: And the reason I was talking so fast at the beginning is because we have to get that ad in the first sixty seconds, and I wanted my ridiculous anecdote that no one cares about to get in there um with enough time for the ad but now that that's over i can talk about whatever ridiculous thing i want to for as long as i want to and the only thing stopping me is that you will turn this off
0: yeah so it's not really stopping you it's just the threat in the future uh, (laughs) is stopping her from doing that (laughs) yeah but yes
1: in theory i'm trying to be interesting yes and so
0: to be interesting the first thing we're going to talk about is actually uh the board game when in rome which is a board game that works with alexa uh, we actually mentioned it on one of our previous shows because the company that makes it um, received a generous um, investment and in a first round of fundraising. I guess is what you call it. Yep. A um, venture capital. Um, the company is called Sensible Object, and the game is called, like we said, When in Rome. And, and we it, have what, a copy of it.
1: Well, and they was it eighteen million dollars they raised? It was something really high like that. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was in like the teens. I want to say millions of dollars.
0: Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I can probably Google that while you're telling a story if you Uh, wanted me to.
1: No, we don't need to. But the point is, is that they raised a crap ton of money. It wasn't like even like hundreds of thousands or even just a couple million. It was definitely a lot of money. And um, so that's very um, hopeful, I guess you could say, about going forward that there's going to be quite the investment into voice first games, especially given that you know when we're about to review the game, we can get into it. But the game that we played. I feel like I could have made that game, you know, maybe not as well as they did it, but I could have made it with about maybe $15,000 because, you know, you'd have to, because there's voice acting, you'd have to pay the voice actors, but there wasn't that much. You'd have to, I mean, I, and that's without the actual cost of production of the actual board game, but, you know, so it's like if they have $18 million to invest, then they could actually make really, really good games, you know, that are awesome.
0: Yes, they raised. Sorry, they raised three point two million. By the way,
1: okay, so that's not at all eighteen million, but it's still millions. Yes,
0: no. um.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I was totally wrong. But no, but in any event, still three point two million. That's a lot of money that you could invest because, like I said, I I don't don't think it would actually cost that much to produce this game. I mean, not counting the uh, the cost of actual the physical object. So. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. But yes. Why don't you start off, Max, of uh, what you thought about the game? Max is looking well, gonna, at me, like... I,
0: no, sorry. I was first going to explain a little bit about it because we were looking oh, we sure, were yeah. looking very forward to playing it um, when we first heard about it. We heard about it several months even before they announced the investment. Yeah, um, and I think
1: we might have even mentioned it back then too because I've been really... Uh, we've definitely mentioned in the past. In fact, we mentioned a couple of episodes ago that... We we're really, really into board games, and that I, I had said that I thought we owned more than 100 board yes, games.
0: that was the last episode.
1: And Max had said that he did not think we owned more than 100 board games. And I made the caveat that I said, including card games, I yes. do believe that we own more than 100 board games. I since have counted our card slash board games, and the number is 105.
0: Yes. So you were correct. We had more than 100. That's right. And I was wrong. I did not think, I thought we had like 70.
1: Yeah. Nope. We have like 100. Maybe it's 100, 604. I don't know. It was in the like low over 100. So anyway, the point is, is that I am a super board game nerd and that's just the board games that we own. That doesn't even count. Like I've played many board games that I also don't own with my other board game nerd friends. So I am really the person to be um, reviewing a voice first board game. I don't know that there is anyone else in the entire world that knows as much about board games and as much about voice first technology as me. I'm just saying that.
0: Yes. That is a unique set of skills that you possess. (laughs) So when in Rome is one of the first games that is designed to be used where Alexa is a necessary component of the game, as opposed to something that's providing like additional content or supplementary content to a game. There are several games out there uh, put out by Mattel and Parker brothers, the big game manufacturers that use sort of additional content um, for Alexa or Google Home. This is designed where it has to be used with Alexa, um, as well as the board part. It's not just on Alexa, and it's not just the board. But the conceit of the game is that you are a world traveler traveling to different places in the world, and the board is the map of the world with various cities on it, and you move between the cities answering trivia questions about the various cities that you're in in order to win points and pick up certain items um, that eventually lead you to winning the game. So it's basically, it's ultimately a trivia game. And when you move between the cities, someone from that area gives you the question, a little bit of factoid about where you are, and then asks you some question about usually um, culture-related, language-related, sometimes a little bit of history. But that's the general gist of sort of what happens in the game. And so we played it the other night, and we're going to talk about it now.
1: well, so basically, I would say that if you view this as the beta launch of the idea of a voice first game, I think it was extremely successful and, I agree and it should be viewed as a beta beta launch because like I said, you know they created this game before they even had the three point whatever million dollars worth of funding and so and and they put a lot of work into it, so when you go every. I don't know. There's like at least 20, somewhere around, I would say 20 cities on the map that you can go to across the world. And if you go to each one of those cities, there's a different voice actor who at least attempts to sound like they're from that city, sometimes more successfully than others.
0: And we should say the game is entirely in English, by the way.
1: Right. The game is entirely in English. So like if you go to Hong Kong, then the person has like a chinese accented english or at least is the idea or if you go to montreal then the person has what is supposed to be like a canadian french accented english although like i said some places were actually more successful than others so some of them it was like yes that definitely sounded like a person from that place in the world um montreal did not sound like i i don't, I don't know where the person sounded like they were from but they did not sound like they were from montreal a lot of people sounded like they were from germany when they were supposed to be from like Asia.
0: (laughs) Yes. The guy from Rio sounded like he was German. Um, And the people from the American cities sounded Canadian. Um,
1: Randomly, but then the people from the Canadian cities didn't sound Canadian. It was very, you know, and and part of the problem for me to a certain degree is that Max and I are are actually pretty well-traveled, so we actually would have a better sense of what people should sound like than maybe most Americans on the other hand, I would imagine that if you are well traveled, you might be more likely to want to play such a game as this, where you are going around the world. so if that 's the case, then maybe you should have voice actors who actually legitimately sound like they 're from the place that they 're supposed to be. but again, like if this is a proof of concept you 're not necessarily going to have an actual you know person from Hong Kong, an actual person from Lisbon or i don 't know wherever the places were and and so I, I thought it was very successful from that perspective yes and and it was fun it was uh, I mean, it was fun in the sense of, again, I love the concept of going around the world. Again, I'm super into traveling. I'm not the type of person to buy items. I'm the type of person to spend my money on going places. And um, and so in that sense, I feel like the gameplay was a little bit disappointing for me because at the very beginning of the game, it it says basically you can pick any city in the world for you to start at. So I was like, okay, I want to start at a place that I've never been in real life because I didn't really know what the game was. I didn't know like how you actually play the game. And so I just thought, oh, it'd be fun to go to a different place. But the game is a trivia game. So if you go to a place that you've never been to, you're at a significant disadvantage because you obviously won't know as much stuff about that place. So therefore, it would have been better for me to start in New York because obviously I know more about New York than I know about, um, I don't know. Like Taiwan or I mean, that's not a city, but like Bangkok, Bangkok. There we go. And um, and so it's like then it completely takes away the whole fun of the game, which is to go to places that you've never been and to feel as though you're going to places you've never been because then you can't really win. Because a lot of the questions were really such that. If you've been to the place, you would definitely be more likely to get them right. So actually, the first place I went to was Istanbul, which I actually have been to Istanbul. And the question was about the Topkapi Palace. And if I had never been to Istanbul, I probably would not have known like exactly what that was. It was like a multiple choice question about what it was. Um, but because I, was, I had been there, then I did know the answer. And so then that made me like wary to go to other places I hadn't been before. And so it just kind of takes the fun away from the game. But Max, did you have something to say about that?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that I I found most of the questions to be interesting and more interesting than your usual trivia um game. It wasn't questions like that you would learn in school necessarily. Um like there was a question about um when I went to Bangkok about um people typing in the numbers five 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 into their phone and what that meant. And that's not something that you just come across in like general, you know knowledge
1: which by the way what it means is like 555 is like bangkok slang for ha 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 because the word five in their language is ha so it's basically the way 555 is lol
0: yes no spoilers but so like bulk of the questions were like that um and so it was more interesting for me because I, i happen to know a lot about geography i always pick the blue circle and trivial pursuit of people and places and so answer those questions immediately and there were questions that i just I don't even know how you would know, but they were interesting to learn about.
1: But that's the thing is that's where I feel like the game could be better designed. I feel like it was not very well balanced from a game perspective, like as somebody who plays a lot of board games. So basically the idea was that after a certain number of rounds, whoever has the most points wins. But when I say after a certain number of rounds, the way it actually worked was that there would be like these three tokens basically placed on the board. And after the three tokens were collected, then the game was over. But the tokens were worth so many points compared to other points you could get at other points during the game that it was basically whoever got two out of the three tokens would end up being the winner. And the game is only like 20 minutes long. So it really became a random chance as to who happened to be closer to the tokens to get them as opposed to. I don't know, any type of skill. And then the other thing about the game was, while the facts were really interesting in the trivia questions, they were either things that you would be totally obvious if you'd been to the place, but otherwise you would never have known it, or they were just random. Like, you would have no way of knowing this. Yes,
0: or the question was such that the the options, every question is a multiple choice um, in the main part of the game. And therefore, they, they gave you enough choice. The choices were, it was an obvious one, um, and then three ones that weren't right or ones you just have to take a stab at like that you would have no way of knowing and it's just completely random guess so it was a uh, very unbalanced in that regard
1: right so the whole game it, it just had it had a number of issues so it had like balance issues it had uh, and the ironic thing is is that they had these like interstitial questions so like between each round there were these questions where it would ask the whoever was in the lead at the time, which happened to be me the whole time we were playing. Thank you very much. Um, it would ask you, like, between 0 and 100, with, you know, 0% and 100%, what percentage of X number of people do you think are doing Y? Like, people in a particular place or whatever. And, uh, like, can you think of any example? I can't remember. One of questions. the
0: examples, again, of, from Bangkok was... Uh, the number of people that get food from street carts versus eating in a restaurant. And the number was something like 80% or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which percentage of people eat more food from street carts than they do at restaurants? Yeah. And it was like 80%. So I guess like 50 because I thought that, I don't know, I, I really had no idea. So I figured 50 50 is a good guess. And then Max guessed 51. So he got that one right because he was, you know, closer to it than me. But anyway, I actually thought with those questions, I felt like it was more fun. It made it feel like more head to head between me and Max. And I just feel like the whole game should have been those types of questions. And if you've ever played the board game Wits and Wagers which if you haven't, you should because it's a really, really good board game. And I've you know, brought it out a number of times with groups of friends who are not board game nerds and everyone likes it. Um, it's a game where, again, nobody really needs to know anything, but you just kind of guesstimate numbers and then everyone else kind of guesstimates whether they think you're right about it or not. And I, I think that would have made it a better game. It would not have put you at a disadvantage then to go to cities that, you hadn't been to, so you could learn things about cities that you haven't been to, which is should be the fun of the game. I, I just feel like there were a lot of potential openings to make this game spectacular, and they weren't taken.
0: Yeah, and hopefully they do with the money they get. That's my hope with it, is that it goes someplace that is better. Because playing it was, in many respects, the voice, the the use of Alexa Did not actually add a whole lot to the game experience. In fact, it took away some of the experience because basically it was she basically acts as the person reading the cards to you, like in Trivial Pursuit. And since she's the one acting that way, she talks really slowly, and you have to have you have to have certain words to interject, and so it becomes a very cumbersome process to play the game. Right, and it takes a long time. And
1: also, I mean. First of all, a lot of people like reading the cards in Triple Pursuit, so it's not really like a helpful thing to take that job away from someone. And also, imagine that she just read the card and you didn't hear what the last word was. If your buddy just read a card and you didn't hear the last word, you could say, what was the last word you said? But you can't say that to her. So now you have to just ask her to repeat the whole card that she already read very slowly and now you have to listen to the whole thing again. And so it's really annoying. So overall if the only thing that she adds is to be essentially the person who reads the cards that is not a good use of voice first technology so like they had music that they played for instance when you were like thinking about what your answer should be and it wasn't even different music for every city right
0: it wasn't like, related in any way to the city and there was no there was no music or visual aids or like any auditory aids that were related to the city that you were in which I was kind of expecting based on how they advertise this game, because they talk about transporting you to a different place, but it's really just the voice actor, and that's it. In fact, there was one when we were in Cairo where they asked a question about a musician and specifically mentioned that they didn't have the money to pay for the copyright to play the music of the musician, but it does, it takes you out of the the, the sort of the game aspect of it and the travel aspect of it when you don't hear any sounds from the place or anything beyond just like very, very stock like traffic noise.
1: And also... Max, what is the name of that game that I was playing? I want to talk about it on a different episode. The one with the music,
0: sound quiz, I believe. Sound
1: quiz, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that on a different game, but that's that's a a game that I highly recommend. It's totally voice only. Like you don't, there's no board game. It's totally free. It's it's a game, and with that, there's music that's played, and um that's an extremely fun game. And it's something that you absolutely need Alexa in order to be able to play, and. It 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 totally makes sense, whereas this game, it didn't make sense. This game felt like it was made by board game geeks who really weren't that familiar with voice-first technology, and they just gave their first jab as to, well, if we had a voice assistant, I guess we could have her reading the cards. And so now that they have like all of this investment, I'm very, very hopeful and optimistic that their next stab at it will fully immerse the voice experience in with the game.
0: Yes. And as uh, the makers of the game said or promised as part of their uh, pitch was that um, by having it on Alexa, it allows it to grow and have development with it um, and sort of expansion packs sort of built into it. um, So it'd be exciting to see where that goes. I'm looking forward to it. So the next thing we want to talk about is an article from one of our favorite places, voicebot.ai that goes into and discusses the growth of Alexa skills versus iOS apps in the first four years of the two entities' existence. And So to,
1: in the first four years of uh, Alexa being in existence and the first four years of back when the iPhone, the iPhone came was out. first in existence. Yeah, go on. Right.
0: Um, and so the, to my surprise, the growth of Alexa skills is far 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 slower than the growth of ios apps
1: which is funny that max says to his surprise because when he first came to me he said oh did you see what katie McMahon tweeted about blah 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 because she's the one that tweeted this and then everybody was talking about it and 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 then you know he said oh it shows that you know uh, skills are so much less and i was like wow that's really surprising And he was like i don't think it's surprising at all blah 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 like it makes sense but it actually doesn't make like well no because you were saying that like you know I don't, Max, sorry. Max is giving me a look. I don't know. No, I'm not just keep talking. His looks. Anyway, so um, <laughs> now he's mad at me. Now he's, now he's giving me more looks. Max, just keep looking at me and everyone's going to be able to see that. It is actually shocking, shocking that there are so far fewer skills than there were um, iPhone apps back in the day because it's extremely easy to make a skill for Alexa. Like right now... There are numerous ways that someone with absolutely no coding ability whatsoever can make them. For instance, the woman um, who won the kids skill challenge for um, Alexa—Alexa had this uh, challenge—and whoever would make the best skill for kids would win twenty-five thousand dollars. She actually is not a coder at all. She used this program that makes it such called Storyline that makes it so that you don't need to have any coding skills whatsoever and she just had an extraordinarily clever idea and because of that she won twenty five thousand dollars because that was the you know number one prize and so it's it's actually absurd that for something it's that's so easy to code and on top of that like amazon gives away every month they give away a different prize for just creating a skill like it doesn't matter what you create they've gotten
0: worse over time if anyone
1: uses the skill but yes some months it could be anything as good as say an echo dot down to like it could be a hat it could be a sweatshirt we've complained about the ones that they've given before but um the point being that like it's so like like my nephew who is 15 years old and he's in high school he's in like some kind of like computer programming high school or something anyway like literally he he Next year, he's going to start taking his first computer programming class. But if this summer he decided that he wanted to teach himself, he could make a skill within a month, like without even like trying very hard. Like it's so easy. Whereas creating an iPhone app is extraordinarily difficult. Do you know this day and age how much you have to pay an independent company to build an iPhone app for you? On average, it's about a million dollars. A million dollars. Whereas my near-to-well 15-year-old nephew, and he's not really near-to-well, he's a very nice guy, but the point is, is that he could do it in his free time on a couple of weekends to make an Alexa skill. So the fact that there are so far fewer Alexa skills than there were iPhone apps at the same time just goes to show how not robust the ecosystem for Alexa skills is.
0: Yes, um, and to sort of bring you all up to date on what the numbers we're actually talking about are um after four years there are somewhere around 50,000 um skills in the amazon uh skill store after four years in the apple app store there were over 450,000 of them so you're talking about a 400,000 increase or difference between the two
1: well but if you want to do it by like multipliers you're talking about like a nine times increase I mean, if I'm, my, my math is correct, like right off the top of my head, but so is that right? Four times eight, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so that's a huge difference. And why do you think this is, Max? Why do you think that even though it's so much easier to create a skill for Alexa, that there are so far fewer people doing it than even the you know the costly endeavor of creating an iPhone app? Go ahead, Max. You figure it out.
0: Well, the the, the number one reason is that uh, money. Uh, The payment system to the developer is vastly different in the two ecosystems. For example, in the first, well, three and a half years of Amazon skill development, you really couldn't make money other than through the Amazon Rewards program, which I think was introduced after year three anyway. Yeah, it was. Um, And that money is irregular. You couldn't count on it and...
1: It's not that much.
0: And it's not that much. Whereas, obviously, with the App Store, you could charge immediately for people to buy your goods or you could offer advertisements or whatever. So there was a way to instantly monetize the system. Whereas Amazon did not allow you to monetize at all. Well, uh, and even now, even
1: now you're still, you're not allowed to have any advertisements on your, your skills. Like they've introduced a few theoretical ways of monetizing, but they're very much theoretical. Like no one's actually been able to do it. And I mean, if you don't allow advertising and you barely allow, they've only just very recently, like barely allowed any type of monetization, you know, yeah, where like you can like sell content. content on your your skill. Then obviously, like, how are you going to make money? You're not. Right. And, and so, and and the few ways that in theory you could make money, like the biggest issue with the skill store is not even so much the making of the money part. I mean, that's that's bottom line the issue, but it's that it doesn't matter if you could even theoretically advertise on your skill. If no one can find your skill, yes, because if you don't have any users, who gives a crap? Like how much you can advertise if no one has found it to advertise? And there's no too. good way
0: to find it, and I mean, they recently announced that they're adding uh, the skills um, to the organic search part of the Amazon search bar. So in theory, you would come across them just searching through regular Amazon.
1: But how does that help you? If I'm on Amazon, if I'm on like regular Amazon, and, and I'm good, like, which is okay. What you're looking okay, so for. like today, I'm on Amazon, and. So like today, I'm on Amazon and I've become obsessed with LaCroix because I am apparently at that stage in my life where I just want, you know, bubbly water with no, you know, uh, sweetener or whatever. But I also own a SodaStream and I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I could save money if I bought like, you know, flavorings to my water. So I'm going on Amazon and I'm searching SodaStream flavoring liquids or whatever the hell that I'm searching. If somehow there was some type of Alexa skill that had something to do with SodaStream, is that at all what I'm looking for at that time? Would I and then start to engage with that Alexa skill because it popped up when I'm searching for my SodaStream flavorings? I don't think so. Like I don't know how this is helping anybody.
0: I agree. I think I think what one of the issues in terms of growing a or using the Amazon Alexa device as an I don't know, an app portal is that you don't, you take your phone with you everywhere and you use your phone to do things. And so if you want to, you know, set a calendar or order an Uber or do something like that, you're going to use the app that's associated with that. And that app may develop a voice content system for itself, like a chatbot system that would respond to you. But Amazon Alexa, isn't, you're not going to go into Alexa to order an Uber on your phone.
1: Wait, I'm not understanding. Because I, I could, uh, I totally imagine myself saying like, "Hey Alexa, get me an Uber."
0: Yes, here on your like device, on your device when you're at your home. But you're actually, I would imagine most of the times you're ordering these things, you're actually out. Right, of course. So you have your phone, but you're not going to open the Alexa app. No, you're actually going to order your... an Uber. No, you're going to go gonna on order, your Uber. You're going to open the Uber right. app and you may maybe you can t- and that's why again the whole issue of like Siri being so far behind on this and so many people have a- Amazon, uh, iPhones that they wouldn't just have a thing that would then open up these apps and do things for you is a little ridiculous, but that's a side point. Um that being the case then I would say what the issue is is that you're not using Alexa to do a whole lot of things that traditional apps do for you which is they shop for you or they provide services for you um, when you're out and about the device is in your home and it can do things in your home but a lot of those things are programmed into alexa as is like lists or reminders or things like your calendar so you don't need an actual third-party app to do you're not going to search for a third-party app to develop i guess um to i mean i
1: mean a lot of this i I guess what you're saying max is and i i'm totally agreeing with you that a lot of the issue here is just an issue with the way that alexa works and the way that people interact with a voice first technology and because a phone is inherently a visual device and so therefore you it doesn't like bother you to like look through your phone to see what other types of apps or whatever might be useful to you. Whereas since Alexa is inherently a voice device, like you don't want to have to pick up your phone to look through to see what, you know, like voice apps there are. And so it's going to be annoying to you to have to do that. And so therefore you're often just not going to find them. I think, I think though, because of that, the only way currently that developers of voice apps can gain any type of notoriety is if Amazon decides that they have taken a liking to you and that they are going to advertise Yes. advertise for you that you're gonna come up in
0: like the if if you have a show it comes up like certain things come up on your thing of like you should do this or you should do X or Y or Z or, or they also the- have
1: they have emails that they send out once a week if you have uh, an Echo you would know this and and it'll say like what's new on Alexa this uh, week and whatever and then it'll like tell you different things right. so and like if you have
0: the app either the Amazon or the Alexa app things come across. The page as to what they're advertising for that week.
1: Right. So the point is, is that they they advertise certain skills and they're not a very reliable partner to work with. And we have certainly experienced this firsthand where we've been in a number of negotiations with them over certain things and they will make certain um, representations. And then two weeks later, it'll be a completely different story. And I would think it was like maybe just us, but I've talked to numerous other people who I will not mention because they would be mad at me if I did. And, and like numerous, some other people that are like kind of like bigger deals than us, even like pretty big deals. Like it, it, it's not that doesn't like, doesn't take much. No, it really doesn't take much. But the point is, is that I would have thought maybe they're just Jerking us around because we're not a big deal, but like I've talked to numerous people who are big deals, and they jerk them around too. And so it's one of these things where it's like, are you going to invest? Like we invested about seven thousand dollars into our first offering for Selective Story, and we were planning on continuing to like create really premium good content, and. Because we thought that we could, you know, find a way to make money through uh, Alexa. But it wasn't looking good until, you know, actually Amazon reached out to us and we're like, oh, okay. Like, hey, maybe this is going to work out. Like, maybe we can make a business out of this. But no. And apparently this is, like, a very, like, common thing with them where they're very hot and cold. And so then it's like, I'm not going to invest any more of my money into creating content for this device if... I have no way of figuring out any way of monetizing, and Amazon is a completely non-dependable partner to work with. So I feel like there's a bit of a chicken and an egg thing going on with why there are so few skills. And, And the ironic thing, too, is because skills are so easy to make, actually of the how many did you say fifty thousand skills that there are currently? Yes. I would I would I mean this is honestly I would honestly estimate that thirty thousand of them are like nonsense BS skills that someone did make like in a weekend so that they could get like the Amazon the free dot or the free whatever. Just because, and Amazon loves that because then they can advertise that they have so many skills when in reality they really only have maybe a thousand that are in any way useful or that anyone would want to ever use in any scenario right (laughs) so like actually the numbers are far worse if you actually look at the number of like skills that are decent but the point being is that i think there's a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario where it's like on the one hand it's really hard to figure out how to monetize and so people aren't creating skills but also like because amazon is not really working in any type of way to be a good partner to allow people to monetize then of course then people aren't going to create skills so uh they need to work on that now you could say what about google well google's doing nothing
0: try to find something on google um i had a hard enough time we have select a story up on google and i had to try i had a hard enough time trying to figure out where the link was to even like find it so i could promote it on our website Um, so that's how hard it is when you're the one who created something for it to find something for it. No,
1: at least Amazon is doing enough that I can complain about what Amazon is doing. The reason I'm not complaining about what Google is doing is because they are literally doing nothing, nothing. And that's why they have like maybe like a thousand skills or something like they have nothing. Like, so it's like. Yeah, I mean, they
0: don't they, they they just introduce monetization aspects, but they they have no other ways of
1: But lesser than Amazon yes. and and both both of them there's really no I guess real they Amazon introduced
0: the idea of that potentially they... having monetization.
1: Right. So, I mean basically as long as all you want your voice device to be able to do is to play music for you, to set timers, and make lists. And make lists, which honestly, that's all we're really doing. And it's the
0: bulk of its usage anyway.
1: Right. I mean or, and, like, you know, turn on and off smart home devices. Like, as long as that's all you want your that device to be able to do, then you don't need anything else. But if you want to actually be able to have it be like, you know, Star Trek, where you can really have a conversation with it and, like, tell the computer to, like, do X, Y, and Z, like, then, then they need third-party developers, in which case they need to be working harder. But it yeah. is what it is.
0: And part of that is also will come when multimodal aspects become more predominant in the arena as well because you have to be able to see certain things it's just ridiculous to look at lists through an auditory you can't look at lists through an auditory experience to have alexa read to you a list of things that you can pick from as opposed to just seeing a screen and saying i want that one
1: yeah but i mean i don't know how multimodal makes them suddenly pay people money it's like that i don't know because i mean
0: in terms of people's usage of it because people think of it now as like a speaker that can make a list
1: that oh i see what you're saying yeah Mm mm-hmm I agree. Uh,
0: until I can do more, until you can see what you have options for doing, it's going to be very limited. Yeah, that's true. One of the other things we wanted to talk about is a recent ad for the Alexa device that both made me and Katie simultaneously upset silently as we watched it and <laughs> then ranted at each other when it was over.
1: Okay, so I am going to set up what the ad was. Then Max can tell you what he thought the ad should have been. And then I will tell you what I thought the ad should have been. And then you can, you know, tweet at us or email us or whatever. And you tell us which one would have been better than the Amazon ad. I guarantee you you would not say that the actual Amazon ad was better. So the actual Amazon ad was such. It showed a man with a baby, like a very little baby. um, And then there was. And the man
0: was very much in his 30s.
1: Right, he was like our age. He was not like, although I really don't know why that matters. He was not like
0: an 18-year-old kid is what I'm trying to like.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I guess, okay, so it was definitely, it was supposed to be his kid, but it's like yes. if he was 18. That was my point. If he was supposed to be 18, then theoretically his wife also would have been 18, so it really wouldn't have made any difference. But yes, so it's like a man in his 30s is there with his like newborn baby or like, you know, it wasn't even newborn. It was like say like a month old, two month old baby. And so then like uh, Alexa starts talking to him and she was like, I don't remember the name of the wife, whatever the name of the wife. Let's say it was supposed to be Casey. You know, the wife's supposed to be. It was like, Casey is reminding you that the bottle is in the fridge. Casey is reminding you that you need to burp the baby. Casey's, you know, and it's showing him like throughout the day. Casey's reminding you, this is where you can find the stroller. And then it shows him like strolling the baby across wherever. And then he, and he's always like looking so like thankful that like Casey's reminding him of these things because he doesn't know how to take care of his own freaking baby. And uh, anyway, and then at the end, it's like, Oh, Alexa helps you when you need help, or whatever, like, however the ending was. So that's the ad. Max, what do you think would have been a better ad than that nonsense?
0: Really anything. So my thought when I saw that ad, aside from being just terribly offended as a father and thinking, like, I don't need anyone to remind me where the teething ring is or when the play date is or how to burp a baby, <laughs> um, my thought was that just doesn't even, like, tell you, like, its benefits, because my idea was it would be so much better to have it where you have someone who is an elderly person and you have like their child set reminders to be like, Hey mom, remember take your medicine at four o'clock or take, do this now. Or someone is coming at this point in time to like fix your TV or to give you medicine or their, your home nurse or whatever. So to help a parent who has like memory issues or Alzheimer's deal with their life and like, that's a use for Alexa that I don't think people have thought of really. Right. And it puts it into their mind like, oh, this is actually how it can be beneficial to someone who's older, who isn't like, you know, up on these things um, as much
1: as young people are. And- right. And also, I think, I mean, to that end, I think people don't necessarily think of using alexa with the elderly i mean i think certainly people in the voice space think of that yes. and talk about it all the time but the but public, like the, genera- the public general. generally they don't associate alexa with old people so no
0: there's an there's an snl skit where they they have the alexa for old people and it responds to like a hundred different names because the idea is the person can't remember what alexa's name is and it tells them like you know there's uh they ask it, like, oh, what's the temperature in the room you're in? And the per- and the and Alexa keeps getting madder and madder at you because it they, they keep trying to get it hotter and hotter. Um, yeah,
1: so the point is, is that, pe- like...
0: The idea being that old people re- don't understand it.
1: Right, the whole reason that is supposedly funny is because the idea is that Alexa wouldn't work for old people. And so that would be a really good explanation that it would work for old people. Right. My thought, on the other hand, is, so... I've I've talked to Matt or we well when we were complaining about this the night that we watched the video I said to me it's like stereotypes are not just offensive because they're offensive because oh men are just as good as women blah 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 stereotypes are lazy writing so everyone knows what a stereotype is it's a very easy place to go like oh young father doesn't know what to do with his child blah 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 so That's like the first idea you have. And so if that's what you run with, it's lazy writing. You should then be like, no, that's too easy. Let me go with my second idea or my third idea. So my thought was, okay, that's – well, actually, my my, my first idea after saying that was, well, could you flip it on its head – and have it be the husband reminding the wife what to do with the newborn? And then my immediate answer to that was no. No one would ever believe that a woman would not know what to do with the baby. No one would ever believe that a woman wouldn't know that the teething ring was in the freezer or that a woman wouldn't know when to feed her child. So that wouldn't work. So it's like, okay, well, that wouldn't work. So then what would the next thing be? Well, the next thing be would be, that have the same exact ad in the sense of you have the wife you know reminding the husband this is where the teething ring is this is when the play date is this is when blah 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 is but have the husband be rolling his eyes the whole time being annoyed he knows all of this he's on top of the fatherhood thing this is what all men do you know when they're new fathers they know what they're doing with their kids he's very very annoyed And then, at the end, then you have the mother, now she's home alone with the baby, the father's going out for, like, a father's night out with his friends, and he sets a reminder for the wife, saying, oh, don't forget to put the baby to bed, and she's super offended by that, like, in a jokey way, and then it dawns on her, oh, like, maybe he didn't need that either. I thought that would have been really clever, and would have shown that they weren't super sexist, but that's not what they went with.
0: No, they went with the super sexist version. Yep. Yep. That, well, made us mad, clearly. Yep. Um, but yeah. So anyway, let us know your thoughts on which one you prefer. Or if you have another idea, let us know. You can also let Amazon know, but we're much more likely to respond to you than they are.
1: I, I would say that either. I mean, I think both of our ideas would be good, honestly. And they'd certainly be better than the that they had.
0: Yeah. Because the whole point of the ad was to let you know that they have reminders, and that didn't at, at all let me know that they had reminders. I mean, obviously, we knew that already.
1: I just made me but, annoyed that it was like a sexist thing once again. But yeah,
0: yeah, I don't think it helped. I mean, I doubt it helped actual users of the device know that now you can have reminders on her.
1: No, it would have been much more, like, memorable if either it would have had, like, the funny ending of my idea or if it would have given you the idea. Had an
0: actually useful reminder. Right. It would have, like, to, shown like, you that
1: you could do it in a way that you wouldn't have thought, like, in your idea. Either way, it would have been much better than their their plan. Right. Their, their ad, whatever.
0: But Whatever. Um, the last thing we wanted to talk about was Amazon Music and Audible which since most people use their devices for listening to music and or other things like podcasts and books, we thought it was appropriate. And this is actually something Katie wants to rant about. So I will let her take
1: it away. So this is my mini rant. So there are a lot of things that... Alexa cannot do with both music and audible which is really obnoxious because like Max said the number one thing that you want to do with your audio device is to listen to audio content so you'd think it would be good at that but no so I listen to a crap ton of podcasts I mean a ridiculous number of podcasts and I also listen to it is a
0: ridiculous number I mean it is uncalculable I
1: I I listen I I think I'm subscribed to about 50 or 60 podcasts, many of which are like some or some of which are like daily. And then all are at least weekly. Some are like by bi- anyway, I listen to it. It's ridiculous so the only way that I can listen to that many podcasts is by listening at 2x speed but on top of listening to all of those podcasts I also want to listen to audiobooks because I want to be smart and like you know well read and blah 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 so I just the last audiobook that I listened to was Angry White Men the one I'm listening to right now is called Ghetto Side it's very interesting the uh, anyway I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I have to listen to everything at at two times speed because, like I said, I would never get through anything if I didn't listen to it that way. But when I try to listen, you can listen to Audible on your Amazon device, but you can't listen to it at 2x speed. You can only listen to it at, like, normal speed. And when you're used to listening to audio content at 2x speed, 1x speed sounds like this. It hurts me. I can't listen to it. So then I've got my, like, freaking expensive as heck, you know, um, Echo show sitting in my kitchen but am I using that no I have to turn on my freaking crappy ass phone speakers so that I can listen to my audiobook on 2x speed because I don't want to listen to somebody talking like they're freaking wading through molasses why are you not able to put it on 2x speed that is so easy for them to let you do that and I have tried talking to it in numerous you know like Amazon or alexa you know put it on 2x speed alexa put it at two times speed alexa put it at no it's just not possible that's absurd another thing going to the music thing so for instance if i'm looking and so we pay extra to have amazon music so that i can listen to all of the music right and i love hamilton as a for instance well hamilton is a two disc um, album and hamilton is also obviously music that you in many instances are going to want to listen from the beginning to the end because it's literally a story from the beginning to the end. So, but like I might be on my phone on like say the ninth out of like the 50th, you know, song, and or even like say the 20th out of say the 50th song. And I want to pick it up on my Alexa device, you know, at the 20th song. So you should be able to say, Alexa, play Hamilton from X song, or I don't care how you say it, like you should be able to get across that idea.
0: Well, it should be intuitive, however, you say it
1: right. But again, I've tried saying it in numerous different ways, and you can't do it. Like, the only way you can possibly get it to play the album is to ask her to just play the album, but then obviously she starts on the first song, and so then you have to say skip. Like twenty times, but you also have to wait until she actually skips. So, like that could take literally like five minutes to skip to the song that you want to be to. It's absurd. Why can't you do that? That that can't be the only time that people want to do this. This happens to me all the time. I get so annoyed.
0: I agree. It happens to you a lot, and you get very annoyed when it happens. Yeah, I don't understand it, and I mean I've never looked into it because it doesn't bother me nearly as much as you. Because I like to pick out songs from anything, and I would never listen to anything all the way through for the most part. But I do agree with the the podcast thing and the Audible thing because, I mean, just listening to, as we were talking about before, with the one in Rome, she talks at her regular speed. And I listen to podcasts at 1.5 speed because anything slower than that is just
1: okay we get it it's horrible it's like like, now you're just knowing our listeners exactly like who wants to listen to that any listeners you ever listen to the daily the daily is a wonderful podcast it is daily as the name would suggest but the man who does the narration talks so slowly like max one time like we were listening to one podcast it was like really fast and then it goes into the daily And then it's like sounds normal speed. And then he said something about it. And I was like, oh, do you want to hear what this sounds like at normal speed? And he thought that the guy was like joking because it sounds ridiculous. And this is the point is that.
0: It's like NPR on. I don't know what the opposite of crack is, but the NPR on marijuana, I guess. So
1: freaking Okay, we get the idea. So the point is, is that audio one huge thing with audio that you want to do is to be able to control the speed at which it goes and it's absurd that you can't do that with with your Alexa device
0: yeah so that was a good rant
1: it wasn't that great I've I've thought better
0: but yeah anyway that is all for this episode of talk to me uh we do have another announcement we will be moving to a monthly schedule soon because of other commitments in our actual daily lives
1: and by soon he means like from now on
0: yes well we can only do it from now on i mean never mind it wouldn't make sense to do it soon and then like have well, a bi- you, monthly, said, you bi-weekly. said we're moving
1: to a monthly schedule soon that suggests that like we are going to not be monthly anyway the point is is that this is our first one that is basically monthly we had like stuff that came up and we had to like go to kansas city for various reasons whatever if you follow me on twitter you would have seen pictures point being there's a lot going on so the point being that it'll it'll be a monthly now because we just have too much going on but yes But
0: Thank you. I'm your host, Max Ernst.
1: And I am your host, Katie Ernst.
0: And this has been Talk to Me. Bye. Bye. Proud to be part of the Voice First FM network.